You are now listening to the Think 180 podcast from Inc. 180 Ministries in Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome. Please stand by. What's going on, everybody? It's Chris from Inc. 180 in Oswego, Illinois, joined as always by my friend Kyle Craney. Hey, how's it going, man? Man, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's been a crazy couple of weeks since we recorded last, so got quite a few different things to talk about, but uh, I'm still in Thanksgiving food coma mode, so <laughs> I was trying to, trying to struggle through, man. I've been riding that struggle bus since Thursday. But uh, Did you go hard on Thanksgiving feast? You know, I didn't go. We went out. Um, Lisa loves to cook and stuff, but this year, I mean, we just had a lot of things go on the last couple of weeks, so we decided we were just going to go out. So we went to uh, Blackstone over in, Aust- or in uh, Yorkville. It was nice, man. They had a nice little Thanksgiving deal, and Lisa baked a bunch of pies and stuff, so we, we had that at the house, but it was good. What about you guys? Yeah, I just kept it uh, low-key. We had a... Uh... Thanksgiving about a week early uh, with my mom's side of the family. And then this past Thanksgiving was my wife's side of the family. Yeah. We went up to Downers Grove area. Right on. And it was nice, man. Cool, cool. Nice and low-key. I didn't go hard on the food this year. I I played it safe, man. I didn't, you know, been working on cutting stuff back. So Yeah, I need to to do that. I needed to get back on that. (laughs) definitely so all right well of course rage against the machine you can never go wrong on a rainy rainy saturday morning with some rage against the machine get some stuff to talk about with them in a little bit but um want to kind of start things off on a a bit of i mean it's of course it's a sad note but um it's also a very positive thing at the same time my my grandma may mcguire passed away uh about a week week and a half ago and uh, she was 94 years old, amazing woman, led an amazing life, and uh, had seven kids. And I don't even know how many grandkids and great-grandkids, and I think she even had a couple great-great-grandkids. Dang. Uh, she was a nurse, um, Mercy Hospital in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, for a long time, and uh, basically raised the whole family on her own after my grandfather uh, passed away from leukemia. Uh, right after my aunt Kathy was born, but an amazing woman. She actually, um, last year, January 7th on her birthday, she had a massive heart attack and was rushed to the hospital by ambulance. And she, she coded out twice. Her priest met her, met them at the hospital and gave her the last rites and the whole deal. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and, uh, they told her she she lived at home, you know, still drove and everything, really sharp for mm-hmm. 94, you know. And uh, she said, well, if uh, you don't let me, they wanted her to go to like a assisted living after right. the heart attack. And she's like, no, if you don't let me go home, just let me die. <laughs> kind of thing. It, what she's, a trooper, a, she's a tough old, old cookie, man. But uh, they let her, they're like, fine, if you want to go home go home. You know, she had one of those life alert deals and, you know, <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. Right. But, uh, she, she passed away. I mean, 
you can't really ask for much more. She got 11 bonus months. You know, we all thought she was going to be uh, gone in January when she had this heart attack. We all went over there and and she's like, psych, I'm not done. Right. So we got like 11 bonus months with her. Um, she lived at home on her terms, still drove herself to church every Sunday. And, wow. Um, passed away in her sleep peacefully. I'm like, you you can't ask for much more right. than that. You yeah, know, that's a perfect ending right there. Yeah. So God bless her. I mean, she had an incredible life. Her, her funeral service was uh, a week ago, Wednesday. And it was, you know, I, I don't think anybody likes to go to funerals, but I, I hate going to funerals, especially like open casket funerals. But this was just different. There was just a piece about it. And you know, even seeing her there, there was like a, a piece about her that I was totally cool with. And, um, so yeah, so that's been going on. It's been, it's been hard and it was hard for Thanksgiving, not being able to pick up the phone and call her on Thanksgiving, but you know, she, she lived a great life and served a lot of people. She had a huge heart and, you know, she's a big part of the reason why I do the stuff that I do. Cause I, you know, followed her example of public service and, you know, helping people that are less fortunate than you and just an awesome woman. And, you know, she's in, in heaven with my grandfather now. And, and, uh, so it's, it's weird. I'm like, it's like, yeah, it's sad that she's gone, but it's like, man, she, you know, where she's at, you know, mm-hmm. she's got this ultimate peace in her life now. And so rest in peace, Graham. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I did that. That was a week ago, Wednesday. Drove over to Cedar Rapids, Iowa in the morning for the funeral and then drove home, got home at like 1130 at night. And then the next morning at like 330 in the morning, drove up to Midway and flew to L.A. Oh, man. I, uh, I had nine trafficking cover-ups to do in L.A. And which was actually exactly kind of what I needed to do the day after my grandma's funeral. It just kind of brought things into perspective. and. I flew out there and I uh, made a, a, you know, I got my work done over two and a half days. And then I had a couple of days to just kind of decompress a little bit before flying home to Chicago and uh, thaw out a little bit out there. Just go sit down at the beach and kind of relax and think about things, see a bunch of art, see some friends, other artists, and kind of get re-inspired for work and, and things coming up. Um, Cause there's a lot of things coming up that are really cool. I'm excited about. And, and it was exactly that, like walking around, going to the graffiti parks and the murals and the museums and stuff and seeing stuff and friends, tattoo shops and kind of seeing things. And I did a little thing we'll talk about in a bit here, but uh, when I was out there, I got another tattoo. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but it was nice. I mean, how I went and saw ice cube, uh, Saturday night. That was kind of cool. That's awesome. My buddy, it happened to be his birthday. So he's like, Hey, I got tickets. Let's go. And it was funny, man. It was an outdoor concert in Santa Ana. Santa Ana is in orange County. Um, it's kind of like orange County's answer to the hood. Okay. It's very, uh, very Hispanic Latino population there. And it was, dude, it was funny, man. It was like, I told my, my buddy's Mexican dude and, I'm like, dude, they brought in every cholo from Santa Ana for the show. It was funny, man. It was like nothing but dickies, chucks, shaved heads, and right. tattoos everywhere, man. It was great. I fit right in. But 
it was, it was interesting because, you know, I kind of, I don't really think about this stuff, but I forget that California has legal marijuana, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we're stand, we're at the show and you go to concerts, there's always people smoking and stuff, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've never seen so many people in one place, maybe except for like a Cypress Hill concert back in the day, right. but I've never seen so many people in a, in one place smoking weed. And, but it was crazy because there was like right where we were, we were up towards the front and there was like five uh, Orange County cops and people were just smoking. And they, I mean, technically I guess you're not supposed the the law is you're not supposed to smoke out in public like right. that. But I mean, there's like 40,000 people and you know, a bunch of them are probably active gang members and right. they're smoking weed. There's five cops. Like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I still have a contact high from that concert. <laughs> Just being there. I was like, my God, man. You had to go get some Jack in a box afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. Something, some Cheetos or something, I guess. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was fun. It was a good concert. And, um, it was, it was a good time with my friend on his birthday and um yeah so and then i came back to cold weather man on monday night i got back in so went and went right back to work tuesday so it uh i think it was exactly what i needed covering up those tattoos was really good to clear my head too and so were these all uh trafficking yeah, yeah. all nine of them it was it was interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine, and you know, we changed the law a few years ago here in Illinois to be able to do tattoo removals for minors. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'll get like a seventeen year old trafficking survivor that wants to do a cover up. They have to be eighteen. Mm-hmm. So here, I can easily get a a waiver from a judge and go. They're like, "Yeah, dude, do it." I mean, what are they going to do? Arrest me? Right. You know? Um. Really, the the concern is more just about licensing than arrest. But um, on Saturday when I was in L.A., the last survivor I had was 16 and she wanted to do a cover up. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I don't care what they say. Like, what are they going to do? You know, like, how dare you do something to help somebody? (sighs) Yeah. So um, it was small and it was in an easily hideable spot. And. It was a little flower she wanted. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not telling this girl no. Right. That. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, we we did that, and it was cool. She loved it, and we had a good talk. I had great talks with all the survivors I was blessed to be able to work with, and um, it was mentally, it was a really great trip. Um, even though that work is hard and the stories are hard to hear and stuff, covering the tattoos really helped me through that end of that week that started off really rough with losing my grandma. Okay. Let's see. Moving on. I've got a bunch of things to talk about. One thing I'm getting really tired of seeing are Jeffrey Epstein memes. And I have a mixed feeling about it. Like I haven't had the pleasure. No, you haven't. Oh my gosh, dude, you're lucky. So for those of you who may not know who Jeffrey Epstein was, he's a sick, perverted child molester who had a private island and uh celebrities and rich people would go there and he had young girls for them to have sex with so a lot of trafficking going on there and uh, child pornography and all all kinds of disgusting shit going on there um 
to go, now I have to censor this. No, nah, I don't censor it. Gosh dang it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it is, that's, yeah. So Epstein was arrested, going on trial. Um, he, he's, he was in jail in New York, and supposedly they found him dead in his cell, and they said that he hung himself. Mm-hmm. Pretty tough to do when you're on suicide watch, but whatever. I saw that they actually were like, the guards that were on duty or something were in trouble. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. they're going after him. Like, they're, that's not who you should. I mean, yeah. I mean, they yeah. should have been watching him, but that's not the the biggest part of the problem no, here. Let's go after the root cause. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know who killed Epstein, but I have a pretty good idea who was involved. I mean, there was a lot of big names that could have had a hand in it for mm-hmm. sure. I'll leave that there. Um, but a lot of people, including, you know, my son retweeted a meme. And I lit him up for it. But it was like, you know, all these, you know, this and this and this. Oh, and by the way, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is lame. Like, I think it's okay in one aspect where people are still talking about it. They're not letting the story die just because he did. Like, it's it's okay to talk about how disgusting this dude was. And cause there's a lot of people in, that were involved. I mean, Prince Andrew just did this half baked interview and with, I think it was the BBC right? where he's like, Oh, it couldn't have been me because I don't sweat. And I have a condition where I can't sweat because of my PTSD. And the woman interviewing him goes, uh, you're sweating right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's been treated because I guess the the, thing. there was a girl, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she is alleging, and I believe her 100%, that she was sexually assaulted by Prince Andrew on this island when she was 16. And there's pictures of her with him and all this stuff. And she described him as like being like really sweaty. And that was his defense was, well, I no, due to my service in the Falkland islands war, that wasn't a war. That was like war exercise. Wasn't it? Right. Um, I, my PTSD would not allow me to sweat. Like you're so full of it, dude. You still sweat. Yeah. I know a lot of people with PTSD myself included on a very low level, but. And my doctor I, says I need I to watch my sweat. Sometimes if I really want a, you know, some a dessert, I'll have a dessert. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah, liking man. this dessert, but when someone wants something, they don't care how it nah. harm them. No. Not at all. So I'm getting tired of seeing the memes though, um, because it takes away I think it diminishes the severity of what this clown did. Um and there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing amusing about it. Um, post all the cat memes you want. Keep those coming. But let's really think about what you're doing when you're posting these things about Jeffrey Epstein that, that are funny. Um, post the story about him getting thrown in jail. Uh, I'm cool with that. Um, I still post the story about Brock Turner all the time, the Stanford swimmer. They uh-huh. basically got a slap on the wrist for rape. and right. Yeah, you know, I'll post that because it's not funny. It's like, hey, this is Brock Turner. He raped a girl and basically got off. Right. You know, it's just turned into a, a butt of a joke now at this point. Yeah. It's 
it's not something that should happen. It needs to stay in focus here. Like yeah. you're saying for sure. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, I wanted to bring this up is it, it applies to. So one of my friends and, and I was asked not to say what agency they're with, but they recently had a very unique experience to go and interview Larry Nasser, Oh, the doctor from Michigan state that was of course convicted and sentenced to prison for the disgusting things he did revol- uh, revolving around the gymnastics community. And mm-hmm. um, they were asked to go and interview him in prison and uh, told me some things about it that, that I could be told about. And of course there were some things that were confidential, but um, said that he is almost unrecognizable because he's been jumped so many times in prison and beaten up. And you know, I, I, man, the, the Christian side of me says violence is wrong. The dad side of me says rock on general population. Um, that's something I think we had hoped for. I'm an imperfect person. Um, but yeah, they said that he does not look anything like, like, in fact, when they walked into the room, they were like, is this even the guy? Like they got the wrong guy. <laughs> Who am I supposed to be talking to? So very interesting stuff going on. Um, but yeah, like n- another thing I'm going to, I'm going to move up on the agenda, but because it, it's kind of a good segue into it. I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this, um, in the news or social media stuff, but a huge, what seems like a huge increase in the number of arrests for child pornography, Mm. um, especially locally. Um, There was just a teacher that was arrested and is going on trial for child pornography and a sports, you know, kids sports coach and like all these things. And I was talking to my wife about it last night and she's like, well, what, why do you think it is? And I was like, I know exactly why. It is because the technology that law enforcement uses to track these computers down is so much better than it's been. Like I have friends that that's their whole job. They work in the internet crimes against children divisions of different agencies, FBI, Homeland security, and they have computers that just send pings out to IP addresses all day looking for files. Oh, wow. There's like a hundred, I think it's like 150,000 or 160,000 registered files of child pornography. So like registered photos and videos. And they have these computers that are set up where it just hits randomly hits IP addresses looking for these registered images in the oh. computer files. Wow. And I'm like, damn that's right. great man like find them all lock them all up and mm-hmm. it's crazy it's like every day i'm seeing like two or three more people locally arrested mm-hmm. for child pornography right. whether it's producing it or just having it um both equally disturbing and disgusting but it's it's getting crazy um but i think it's great that law enforcement is able to more easily track these predators down and and weed them out, man. Put them where they belong. You know, they're gonna have to release all the people from prison that have petty weed, you know, charges against them just to make room for all the real criminals. But that's another day. We'll we'll do that one on January first. <laughs> right. Uh, we should do. You know what? That's a 
that just gave me an idea. We should do a episode where we bring in somebody that like is an expert on the whole weed thing. And yeah, I actually, I know a couple of like my buddy, Joel Frieders is an alderman in, in Yorkville. He'd come in and talk about it. We people from dispensaries and just kind of talk about the impact that that's going to have. But right. I digress. It's a great idea. Let's do that. Um, all right, so moving on to some some lighter topics back again. It gets right. it gets a little too heavy for people. I don't want people like driving off the curb and stuff, but um so all this stuff about Kanye, we talked about Kanye on the last episode and kind of my opinion on it. Yeah, the more I listen to it, the more I love it. Yeah. You know, and this dude just continues to get just his ass kicked in the media and in the Christian world by people who don't believe it's real. And I'm like, what? It's so stupid. Dude. Right. The, the latest two things was he spoke at Joel Osteen's church in Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how to say this really the right way. So I guess I'll just say it the wrong way. I don't really agree with a lot of the things Joel Osteen is about. I don't do the whole prosperity ministry thing and, God wants you to have really nice cars and a huge house and airplanes. And I don't do He'll that. Send me money. Yeah. I don't, I don't do prosperity gospel. Yeah. Um, I do Jesus gospel. But um, anyway, with that said, Kanye spoke at his church, I think three weeks ago now. And it was interesting, man. It, uh, I know, I know people in Houston who actually got tickets and went to it and they said it was amazing. And, they really enjoyed it, especially he did, uh, he spoke at the service in the morning and then they did a full concert of mm-hmm. his new album, Jesus mm-hmm. King at night. And they were blown away by it. They loved it. And, nice. um, you know, you, but you, I get, I still get really tired of all the, you know, these so-called Christians that are all up in his face. And like, if you want to go after Kanye West for some stuff, there's plenty of stuff you can go after, but why bother worry about what you got going on? You know, Mm -hmm. I, when I look at Kanye West, I see a guy who like me has some mental health issues that are hopefully, and I, I believe being addressed. I also see a guy like me who desperately needed Jesus in his life at a time where he was in full self-destruct mode. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's a lot. Unfortunately, the reality of the world that we live in is a lot of times it takes some of us almost completely self-destructing to find God. Um, and I know that cause I was in that same situation 10 and a half years ago. Um, and so I, I'm not going to look at Kanye West and go, oh, dude, you just, you know, you're, you're mentally ill. Right. Dude, we're all mentally ill some some aspects, but right. I can't stand when people tear someone down for coming to God because they yeah. just, you know, they're in a state of despair essentially. Yep. Like that like it's like, well, I guess you should have, you know, been following God sooner. Well, it's yeah. like, well, that's not how it works for everybody. It's not a perfect story for everybody. No, wouldn't it be great if it was like that though? Like I have friends who grew up in the church, like my pastor, Dave, he grew up in the church. His dad was a pastor. He grew up in a um, very, uh, like a Pentecostal church and super into it his whole life. And I think that's great, man. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's not what it is for a lot of people. Church is not a place for perfect people. 
it's a hospital for broken sinners and all of us, man. Like if you go to a church that's only for perfect people, you're in the wrong damn church. (laughs) Right. Serious. Like it is what it is. And you see the other end of the spectrum at the same time. You see people have been in the church all their lives. And then when they hit a hard time, their faith almost drops out. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, yep. guess who's there to pick them up a lot of the times? The mm-hmm. people who came to God later in their life. Yep. Or you have people that are leading churches mm-hmm. that are going out and leading like lives full of sexual sin and, de- you know, <laughs> just devious lifestyles mm-hmm. and they're trying to hide from everybody. It's, there's, I don't know. Just get off Kanye's back. He's doing good stuff. Yeah, everyone's path is different. Everyone's story is different. Yep. We should be supporting, not tearing this man down, because really it's just painting the Christian world in an uglier and uglier picture. Mm. I guarantee Kanye West has already led more people to Christ than a lot of people in church have. Mm. Yeah. So say what you want about him, uh, or don't. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah. You know, let God tell you who Kanye West is. So... Um, but I mean, Brian's gone through the same thing. Oh, Brian. Yeah. Brian Welch will go through this the rest of his life because he, and Kanye is Kanye starting to experience this too, because a lot of the hip hop community is hating on him. Yep. They're like, you're Kanye West, dude. Like you used to drop crazy albums that were fire that everybody bought. You had one of the biggest selling tours in history with Jay-Z and now you're going to throw all that away to love Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I am. And it's not throwing anything away. Right. Um, I mean, so, then, then by that standard, I guess you you yourself threw away your life in California, right? Yeah, to man. Come out here. Yeah. Well, and it's again, it's not throwing it away. No, but that's how some people see it. Yeah, totally. They're like, oh, you gave up all that to just love Jesus? Yeah, dude. Mm. You know why? Because he gave up everything for me. So say what you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Kanye West, Brian Head Welch, like all these guys that were huge, huge, huge names in the music industry, and then they found Christ. They're still huge, huge names right. in the music industry. Right. Last time I checked, Corn is still touring after like 25 years, mm-hmm. selling out arenas, selling, you know, tons of albums. They just released a new album. Um Kanye is all Kanye's going to do is and he believe me the last thing well I don't know I, I got to stop myself short of saying that I was going to say the last thing Kanye West cares about is how many albums he sells I don't believe that's entirely true <laughs> because you want people to buy your stuff right. when you're creating art but still I, a job or he, still a source of income that dude's got more money than his kids kids will ever spend so I think let the dude share Jesus, man. I like, I'm loving the album. I'm really getting into it. I love it. It's great. Mm, Totally. And I'm excited. Uh, The other thing I wanted to say about Kanye West is I saw when I was in Cali, him and Dr. Dre are in the studio working on Jesus is King too. And I, all right. So I grew up on Dr. Dre and NWA and ice cube and all this you can say whatever you want about their music. Um, but that's my DNA. I grew up on it. Mm-hmm. And you've got Kanye West working with, in my opinion, the greatest hip-hop producer of all time, Dr. Dre. It's arguable. 
Um, and they're going to be talking about Jesus. Like, come on, man. Like Dre's beats with Kanye's yeah. new life. Give me that all day long. I'll right. buy it. I'll buy it for friends. I'll buy it for everybody, man. Like that's good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Cause you know, like, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the interviews or any of the documentaries with Dre, but like his knowledge of just different music is insane. It's nuts. It's insane. And what he's going to put together for that album, you know, it's going to be like groundbreaking. Who knows how long it'll take to come out though. Cause he is OCD when it comes to That's putting true. stuff together. Right. Very meticulous. It could take a while, but I'm guessing with Kanye pushing it, it won't be as long as like detox, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I'm excited to hear it and see what, what's going on with it, but give it, give it a chance. You know, even if you don't, like hip hop, give give this dude a chance. Watch what Jesus is doing in his life, and instead of putting him down, I think I beat up on that for the last two episodes. So right. I guess that's all. I'll leave that with that. All right. So we're coming up on the uh, Christmas season. Yeah, man. Well, I guess it, with Black Friday, that's like the official day. That's I like guess the start of the Christmas season. I, I guess, or I guess some. technically Thanksgiving is like. The Christmas kickoff now. Yeah. Your retailer. Well, I got beat up because I decorated my house the day after thanks or the day after Halloween. Woo. And uh, a couple of people in particular, my aunt Colleen was furious. She was giving me all kinds of crap saying, how can you decorate for Christmas? It's, you know, the day after Halloween. All right. Two things. I don't usually decorate that early. I usually wait till like this weekend, the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. However, last year I was in the hospital for most of the holidays. So I got seriously cheated out of the holidays last year. So I said, I'm going to make up for it this year. I'm going to go a little overtime. So shut up. (laughs) And we were kind of going back and forth. (laughs) I said, shut up in a loving way, though. It wasn't mean, but um, people really were getting upset, man, because they were all offended that we decorated before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, this is your biggest issue in the world right now. Like, why are you so freaked out about it? I think people were, man, generally smarter to do it after Halloween. Cause generally it's still warmer out, but this year winters come early. Yeah, for real. We went game of Thrones real fast. And you know, we went winter so quick. Um, my Halloween stuff is still, out there in the yard because i mean yeah by the time i get home now it's completely dark out and it's 25 30 degrees yeah i'm not not going out there for that man Mm -mm. crazy yeah i decorated early i'm not even sorry about it i'll probably do it next year too one of the other things too is for me man like this time of the year i deal with that stupid seasonal affective disorder garbage when it's all gloomy out i get all depressed and like man anything i can do like that to boost my mood a little bit how is that a bad thing right and yeah i started listening to christmas music the day after halloween too so sue me (laughs) you know except i gotta say this i wasn't even gonna bring this up but i just thought of it have you heard the new the remake of uh baby it's cold outside by john legend i haven't don't even bother with it Dude, I love John Legend. I think he's got an amazing voice. He's amazingly talented. 
but they okay so you know the song baby it's cold right. outside how everybody had there was this big uproar with the whole me too movement saying it was rapey and all this stuff it did have a i mean yeah it's a rapey vibe i, I don't you disagree come, you think about it, like oh you know what it is kind of it's uh, cold outside do me right? <laughs> yeah it was it definitely creepy I, I definitely don't disagree with that however john legend and i believe it was, was it kelly clarkson I think so. They remade it. Mm-hmm. All right. Now you have to go and listen to it one time. Cause it's so bad. Yeah. The other direction. It's like the, one of the things is, um, she sings, you know, like maybe I should go. And John legend's line is it's your body and it's your choice. And I'm like, Whoa, Oh dude. Like, I know what you're saying and I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. Okay. Instead of like but, what's in this drink bean song, is it like as long as you give me your consent or something like that? But it's like, like that. Yeah. It's so like that. Oh. It's so like um junior high sex ed textbook of consent. Oh. It's awful. It's just like just I don't care if I never hear the original Baby It's Cold Outside ever again. But I definitely don't care if I never hear this one again either. Right. It's just like, I get it. I agree with the point of it. I agree with what they were trying to project, but it's just bad. No, you just kind of, when people make an uproar about some of those things like that, you just kind of have to ignore it. Let them, let them vent, you know, and you can agree with them. Like, yeah, you know, it is kind of creepy, but you know what? Like, just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I I say at the end of the day, just leave it alone. Yeah. Let it be sung. You know, and, you know, just have fun with it like people have for years now, no. for decades. Like, just leave it alone. Yeah, Enjoy no doubt. it for what it is. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah, people take everything too seriously. Not to go on, and this could be a whole nother show, but same thing with, like, stand-up people. Like, oh, yeah. You know, are afraid to do comedy now. Well, yeah. Because they're afraid they're going to get yelled at. But, you know, where else can you go? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's, that's what it's there for. I mean, some of it, I think a lot of us are hypersensitive to a lot of things. I know I am like, especially like with the work we do, I'm hypersensitive to like sexual assault stuff and all that. You Sex love the, trafficking you love stuff. the word pimp. I hate the word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely hypersensitive to it. And I think the culture is now too, which you know, you have one of two things. You can be hypersensitive to it and be aware, or you can just glorify crap for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. But it is what it is. Um, we'll see. And if you're still but, using the word pimp to describe oh, something, dude. 2000 called and they want their word back. I heard a kid do it in California and I almost throat punched him. What's up, pimp? I was like, dude, I'll crush you. This is this is the worst. It's so stupid, dude. It really is stupid. I don't know, but on a more positive musical note, you guys heard Rage Against the Machine in the open. Um, my favorite band of all time by far, Rage Against the Machine, um, announced last week, week and a half, two weeks ago, um, that they're actually doing a reuniting tour for 2020 and you know they're doing that to uh coincide with the elections yeah um rage against the machine if you don't know intensely um politically motivated um alternative rock band 
led by Zach Della Rocha with uh, everybody knows Tom Morello, his amazing guitar skills, but it's my favorite band of all time. Um, and because it's my favorite band of all time, it's one of my son's favorite bands of all mm-hmm. time. And they cover killing in the name all the time, every show they play. And, um, I love this band. They, they taught me a lot of what I know about politics and, and being angry about things that are stupid and saying what's right. And, um, I'm super, super, super excited that they're uh, getting back together. I, I don't know if it's a long-term thing or if it's just for 2020, who knows who cares, but they're playing shows. They're playing, um, they're starting in like border towns. So they're playing like El Paso, Texas. Oh. They're playing, uh, I think Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix. I'm sure they'll play LA, but they leaked other tour dates. So it looks like they're going to be playing riot fest here in Chicago next year. Ooh. So super, super stoked about that. Hopefully we get new music from Rage Against the Machine. Um, because when they broke up, you know, I'm going to give you a little musical history. But uh, the, all the, the whole band from Rage Against the Machine without the singer formed Audio Slave with Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, another awesome band that I loved. And then they formed Prophets of Rage a few years back with all the guys from the band rage against the machine, except for Zach, the singer, but they had be real from Cypress Hill and Chuck D from public enemy mm-hmm. doing vocals, which again was awesome. People can say what they want about that group, but it was amazing. Um, but it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see what rage comes with in 2020. I think there'll as, be something new. Oh, they, you know, <laughs> they've got, yeah, they're, they have to put new music, you know, they're going to go after the election. It's oh, yeah. going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, did something cool when I was in California, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I have not been able to get a tattoo for like a year and a half and it's actually been longer. It's been more like two years since I got one. Um, and I'm almost a hundred percent healed from last year's madness uh, from the infection in my leg, but I decided I'm good enough where I'm going to get a tattoo when I was in California. I went down to orange County and hooked up with my buddy, Larry Casas. He, um, he's the guy who taught me most of what I know about tattooing. He's an amazing artist, an amazing friend, great guy. Um, He's at One Drop Tattoo in Orange, California. If you're out that way, you check him out. Tell him I sent you. Um, just an incredible artist. I wanted to get this tattoo for a long time, and I really battled it out thought-wise because I always said I would never do a tattoo like above my neckline. And I really put a lot of planning into it, a lot of thought, and I don't know if you've seen it or not. I've posted it on social media. but. I got basically Jesus whispering into my ear on the back of my head and went in, of course, Larry, you know, he told me it would take two hours and it took four, (laughs) put the stencil on and it's pretty good size, but, uh, put the stencil on and he started at the top and which was basically on my skull. And it was fine. It didn't really hurt that bad. I was amazed. Really? I thought uh-huh. this was going to be excruciating. And then he did the outline on the softer tissue part, like on my neck. And 
that hurt more because <laughs> um, he was pushing pretty hard. And then he did the shading. And the shading took about two and a half hours. Yeah. And, dude, that was the worst pain I've ever experienced as far as tattoos go. <laughs> it felt like he was, like, carving into my skull. Um, and it was weird because I've had people tell me what head tattoos feel like. And I heard hair follicles pop when they filled with ink and all that. Right. And you, f- you can hear the vibration of the needle hitting right. your skull. Right. And, uh, it was, Ugh. it was pretty, pretty interesting, but amazing tattoo. It's not completely done. Sells one more session. Really? <coughs> yeah. We got one more session to go. It looks fun. Um, like right now looking at it, like it looks tremendous in the shading. Yeah. Top notch, man. Yeah, he Larry's amazing. He is truly an amazing artist. But yeah, he's going to come out here and we're going to do a convention together. So he's going to finish it there. Super stoked with it. Um, so far, it's gotten only good reactions from people. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for the first person to tell me that I'm going to hell for tattooing Jesus on the back of my head. But <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, love it. Super happy with it. Couldn't be more happy with it. Um, one of the cool things for a tattoo artist is you're always trying to exceed your, your client's expectations. And Larry definitely did that. So I just want to thank him for that. I uh, got a couple of announcements today before we kind of wrap things up. I'm, um, back in speaking mode, uh, which is great. Um, I'll be on December 8th. I'll be at the Vineyard Church in Aurora. Come check me out there. Say hello. Um, and then on December 29th, I'll be at Fusion Church in Lake Zurich again. Um, Chael, my buddy Chael, is the pastor up there. So looking forward to getting back up there and kind of giving an update to everybody at Fusion. Come check us out for that. I think we're going to close back out with some more rage, right? More rage. Come on. Have a great week, guys. Go bless somebody. Be good. Be good.